with our preaching, by the way, is we are going to do sermon series that kind of stick with the month. Now, it's going to start wrong because we started later on in the month, so please forgive us. But when it comes to January, we will do a sermon series per month. And in that sermon series, we will preach the same topic, idea, or Bible passage that we have decided for four weeks. Now, you might be thinking, that sounds like a long time. No, 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 trust me. Because it takes that time to learn these kind of things. Anybody else agree that? You go to one preach, you hear it, it sounded really good, but then you can't really remember how to apply it to your life, and so you kind of forget about it. You see, when we're going to preach it four weeks, we're going to preach different ways of looking at the same passage or the same topic, but it's so that it soaks into your spirit. Let me just declare this at Flow Church. We believe in preaching. We believe in preaching. I know sometimes it's hard to sit there for half an hour and listen to it. And I know sometimes you get distracted. And that's fine if you do. Just wander off. It's okay. You'll come back. I don't mind. I don't mind if you need a little nap halfway through as well. That's fine. Okay. And I also don't mind if when there is a point that you really like, you want to amen it. I also don't mind if you want to stand and clap it. Because you're not standing and clapping what I have said. You are standing and clapping what the Lord has spoken. And there is something about receiving a preach that will help you remember it and get it into your spirit. So we are going to preach it uh, for four weeks at a time, depending on the month. And also we recognize that some people don't always attend church every week. Not a flow church. That doesn't happen here, right? <laughs> Everyone's giggling. Like, Yeah, you're, you're allowed to be here all the time, by the way. You're, you are welcome to come every single Sunday. But I recognize that maybe every so often you may need a break or you may go somewhere else. And so we want to make sure you don't miss where God is speaking to our church. Also, you will notice, what we preach on, we are going to sing about. What did we sing about today? Rain. Was it done today? Rain. I woke up, I was thanking the Lord about the rain. I don't know about you. I was like, Jesus, you are so real. It's not even funny. We are talking about the rain. Why are we talking about the rain? Because we are Flow Church and we believe that we need to receive the blessing and the vision and the words of God in order to give them out to other people. We cannot, someone's alarm's going off, you good? We need to receive from God all the goodness that he is in order to pass that on to other people because I do not have it in me. You do not have it in you, I promise. If you keep giving out under your own strength, you will burn out, you will grow weary. But if I give out under the God's strength, I will continue to do more than I even thought I could do. And so we're going to talk about it. And the way we're going to talk about it this, for this series, this series is called Get in the Flow. Get in the Flow. Just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor, get in the flow. Turn to your other neighbor and say, sorry, I forgot about you. Get in the flow. Just keep an eye on my time. And we're going to look at 1 Kings 17 today. And we're going to look at 1 Kings 17 where Elijah stood before the king and he stopped the rain. And then we are going to learn some lessons about what happened in in Israel at that time when Israel stopped the rain to the end of chapter 18. That's going to come in four weeks time. And we'll hear when the rain came back. That's what we are going to look at while we are studying today. Is Is that good with everybody? Some of you, wow, some of you are not so good. Are you happy with that? Is that okay? You can, don't have to come back next week. It's all right. Let, let's get in the flow. And what I want to talk to you about today, my aim today, the, the message I want to get across to you today 
is that actually we very often can prevent the flow of God in our lives. And I want to focus on one way that we do that today. And one way that we prevent the flow of God in our lives is forgetting how good God is. Oh, I know, I know. You've heard it before. You've been to church before. You've heard someone preach before. And you've heard them say, God is good. And you go, yes, God is good all the time. And, and then it just goes by and it doesn't really impact your life or affect you in any way. And it's just a cliche saying. Let me tell you and let me declare over Flow Church, it is not a cliche saying here. Here today, we are declaring over your life that God is good. Does anybody need some more good things in their life? Does anybody? Come on, raise a hand. You can interact with preachers. It makes it more fun, I promise. Anybody need some more good? God is good. And God, not only is God good, but he is desperate, desperate, really passionate, really eager, desperate to be good to you. God is not just good somewhere, and if you find him somehow, he might be good to you. He's not just like out there and everyone, he's good to that person, but he's not. No, no, God is good all the time, and he is desperate to be good to you. In your life, in your situation, he is desperate to be good to you. God is hungry, and he's fighting for it. The Bible talks about God being jealous He's jealous when, you're, when you get good from elsewhere. He wants to be good to you. Okay, let me, put it in, let me put it another way so that you might receive this even more. By the way, when I say these points, you feel free to amen if you'd like to. Uh, my wife, for my 30th birthday, everybody, by the way, I was 30 last Sunday. Thanks. Um, everyone's a bit like, ooh, oh, wow, he's crossed that bridge. 30 last week, and uh, my wife brought me this ring. I don't know if you can see it. Can you see it? It is, it is a dove, and the dove is wrapped around my finger. And when Emily gave it to me, um, she put it in a little box surrounded by balloons and, uh, you know, like decoration. And in the box, on the box, it said, um, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And I, I've been loving this ring. I've been absolutely loving it. And one of the reasons I've really loving it, because I've been trying to learn myself how good God wants to be to me. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe God is good and I believe he wants to be good to me. But I, don't, I underestimate how good he wants to be to me. God actually wants goodness in every area of my life. He wants everything I do to prosper. He wants goodness and love to follow me all the days of my life. He wants me to overcome all the things I'm battling with. He, he is for me. He is my biggest cheerleader. He is not judging me. He is not sitting there angry at all the things I've done wrong. He is looking to be so good to me. And the reason I love this ring is because the way the dove looks on it. The way the dove looks on it, if, if I can try and explain it in some way, is it's like flat out wrapped around my, my finger. Does that make sense? You understand? It's like, it's like you know, when kids just lie on the floor and they're just flat out on the floor. You ever seen that? If I let you know, my wife actually does this sometimes when she gets a little bit stressed out. She just lies down on the floor in random positions. I call it puddling. So if you see her doing it around, just say, hey, she's having a puddle. And she just like flat out lies on the, it's like they couldn't be in any more contact with the floor if they tried. They're just like their face is in it. And this is what my dove looks like on my ring. You can come see it later if you like. And uh, it reminds me that the Holy Spirit is desperate to be wrapped around me. 
I'm trying to tell you that God really wants to be good to you. Okay, right, I know, I know, I know, okay. You need to hear how. You need to hear some practical, you need to hear some concrete examples. Okay, I understand that, I understand that. God wants to set you free from things you don't think you can be set free from. Did you hear that at the back? Because that would be really helpful for you. That takes, that takes God being good to very real. The thing that you think you cannot live without, that you think that you think you can never defeat, never fight, God wants you to be set free from it. So if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I am still so insecure. I was insecure as a teenager. You know what? If I'm honest, I've never really battled it. I've never really dealt with it. I've never really overcome it. And maybe you're thinking, actually, I will never really overcome it. It's just the way it is now. Anybody ever felt like that before? It's just the way the world is now. No, 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 no. Not here. Not with God. God is so good. He wants you to be set free from the thing you think you can't be set free from. Yes, I am telling you, you can live a day without insecurity in your life. Does anybody want to receive that? You can. It is absolutely possible in Christ. Okay, maybe you don't struggle with insecurity. Maybe for you it's, it's anger. Or maybe for you it's laziness. Or, or maybe for you it's frustration or stress. Stress? Worry. Should we talk about that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wake up now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We live stressed. We live busy. Oh, busy, busy, busy. That's the word I hear all the time. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I'm worried. People are worried all the time, I've noticed. I don't know if it's just our nation. I don't know if it's the way we've been brought up or wired, but I'm noticing it. We worry, we stress, we get busy. Let me tell you, it is absolutely 100% possible to live without worry in your life. Oh, no, someone come and amen that, please, if you want to receive. It is absolutely possible to live without worry in your life. God is that good. He wants you to be free from it. God, God looks at you and you're struggling with worry. And, and then sometimes we even pray about it, don't we? God, I'm, I'm struggling so much. Can you please do something about this? And God's like, I'm trying here. Just let me be good to you. Stop trying to control it. Stop trying to hold it. I want to be good to you. Does that help anyone understand how good God wants to be? Is that taking a note? I keep, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. I don't know if we've quite got there. I think if we really get there, we'll hit the roof and we'll be all on our chairs throwing them around going, God is so good. I'm not going to stop preaching, by the way, until that. No, I'm joking. Let, let me make it another way. Let me make it another way. God not only wants you to be set free from things, he then wants to take you on a journey where you actually prosper in things. I'm not, you know, God just doesn't want you to be set, you know, we sometimes do this in our testimonies. We give our testimony about how God has set us free, and we feel like that's the victory. You know, God set me free from drug addiction, or God set me free from this or that or stress or whatever, and then that's kind of the end goal. No, 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 for God, that's the beginning goal. That is, do you understand? That's the beginning that's not the end for God. When God sets you free from stuff, now he can actually use you to impact the kingdom and the world around you. That's what it's about. And not only does he want you to go around then prospering, he's actually going to equip you and give you gifts that you never even dreamt of, that you never even imagined you could have, things that you only saw in the movies. He's going to equip you with amazing abundant gifts so that you can actually achieve what he has asked you to achieve. Like what, Liam? Well, I'll tell you like what. I'll tell you like what. When you get set free and you let God fill you up with his Holy Spirit, you'll get gifts of all manner of things that you've never even dreamt of having. 
You'll have wisdom that you never thought you had. You'll understand things you never originally could understand. You'll start seeing things in the future before they even happen. Yes, I'm saying it. I know it's a little bit far on day one, but I'm going to go there. And you might think, well, that doesn't help. Why does that help me? I know a guy, his name is Shola. He, while in business, had a problem in a load of coding that they had for a new software they were developing. He went to God about it and said, God, where is the problem in our code? God told him exactly the line and the problem that he had in the code. He went back to his tech guy and said, check code, da-da-da-da-da, check line, da-da-da-da-da. Went to it, the problem was there. Fixed it. God wants you to prosper. Okay. God wants your family to prosper. Let's try that. Does that make anyone else happy? God wants your family. You think your family is in disarray, never going to be restored again. Nothing's ever going to change. No. God is so good. He wants your family to be good. He will restore it. He will build it. You think you'll never be at church with all your family. Uh Uh-uh. Don't go to God with that. Go to God with saying, God, I want to be at church with my family. He is so good. He can make it happen. He can do it. Maybe I don't say the last one. I don't know. Maybe. Do you want to hear it? Do you know God wants to prosper you in your finances? Should we talk about it like that? No, God wants you to prosper in your finances. I'm not saying just being rich. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you have need in your finances, God doesn't want you to have a need. He is a heavenly father looking to provide for you. We don't believe in a prosperity gospel, like you give this and you get that. We don't believe in also in a poverty gospel that's like we must live broke and without anything in the kingdom of God. No, we believe in a provision gospel. A gospel that says God is so good and wants to be so good to you that if you have need, he will provide for you if you ask him, if you let him, if you listen to me for the next 20 minutes and learn how not to prevent him. But our biggest prevention that we need to overcome is we underestimate how good God wants to be to us. Okay, all right. Let me take you to the Bible then. Maybe the Bible will help prove this to you, okay? 1 Kings, where's my Bible? 1 Kings 17. I'm going to read this Bible verse to you and explain how King Ahab missed this point. And I'll explain to you also how Israel missed this point earlier on in their lives. 1 Kings 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Okay, guys, that's pretty cool. Do you, do you not agree? Like, a believer, a Christian man, just stop the weather. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Everyone good with that? Give me a smile. It's okay. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I will direct the ravens to supply you food there. What's happening? He has to go off by himself and then God gives him food and water every single day. So he did what the Lord told him to and he went to the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan. And he stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. Let me explain what is happening in this passage. Yes, there was a time in history where a guy stood before a king, King Ahab, and he stopped the weather. That's pretty cool. Has anyone else ever done that? 
No, I've never, I've never seen that in my Christian walk. Maybe Simon, I don't know, but I've never seen that. And the reason that this happened, the reason that he did that, is because King Ahab was actually a really terrible king. Do you want to say boo, interact a little? Boo. Hey, don't, don't, don't judge him, guys. That's unfair. Right? King Ahab is a terrible king. In fact, the Bible says that he was worse than all the kings that had gone before him. His dad was a bad king and caused the civil war, and he was just a terrible, terrible king. And the reason he was terrible is because he prevented the flow of God into Israel. He prevented the blessing of God flowing into Israel. How did he do it, and why does that relate to me? And by the way, I'm not saying that you are a terrible king. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to say you and I probably can relate to some of the things he did more than we would like to admit. And one of the things that King Ahab did is he, King Ahab took them took the nation of Israel and he got them to start worshipping another god. The god called Baal. Everyone say Baal. It's a really horrible word to say, right? It'd be annoying every Sunday saying that. It's like Jesus. It'd be like Baal. That'd be a really annoying name to say. He got them to start worshipping the god of Baal. Now, why was that significant? Why does that matter? That matters, my friends, because Baal was the god of fertility and of the fertile land and the weather. That's the kind of God he was. Let me put it like this. He was the God of pleasure and provision. And then he led the whole nation of Israel. Instead of worshipping that God, we are going to worship this God over here. And as doing that, then what happened was, Elijah goes up to King Ahab and says, King Ahab, look mate, you've been worshipping a God of the weather that you think is a real God, but he's not. Let me now tell you, there is a God that can control the weather. And right now, he's going to stop his flow and his blessing until you straighten out what you need to straighten out. Why does that matter to you? Why does that matter in the 21st century? Let me tell you this, because you and I can prevent the flow of God in our life when we go to something else for provision and pleasure. When you think something is better than God, you will go to it for your provision. If you have a low expectation of how good God wants to be to you, you will go somewhere else when you need something good. And you'll go to it for your provision, and that will actually prevent the very thing that you are looking for. Because the thing that you go to in place of God is false. It's false, Dave. It's false. It's, it's not real. So you go to it for the pleasure and provision. It will not provide for you because it does not actually have anything there. And then you'll be complaining and moaning, even at God. Like, God, why is nothing happening in my life? And God's like, I'm over here. Stop going to something else for this kind of need. Come to me. Turn to me. And I will pour blessing and rain over your life. Stop preventing me by going somewhere else. And you go somewhere else. When you think God is not going to be, okay, all right, let me make it more real. Let me make it more real. How many people I've chatted to that have left church, (laughs) have left the church because they think there's something better for them over there? How many people have left it, left God, left the very place that provision can be provided, the pleasure can come because they've gone, because they thought, actually, you know what, this is what I really need in my life. The church doesn't understand that, God. This is what I really need. I need a God of Baal. It doesn't maybe look like that, but it looks like something. It looks like money. It looks like relationship. It looks like um, thank yous and, and shaking of hands from other people. It looks like influence. It looks like a good career, a good job. That's what it might look like. But let me tell you, it prevents the flow of God in your life. 
Are you still with me? I've been talking like 20 minutes now. Are you still good? This is helping. What I'm hoping, what I pray for when I preach is that as I'm preaching, you will feel burdens break from you. That's what I ask for. That you leave this place lighter, more encouraged, and more affirmed in your relationship with Jesus than you've ever been. That's what I'm praying for. Okay, can, can I try one more time to help you and understand how important it is that you do not prevent the flow of God by believing that he is actually not that good? Can I try one more time? Just to convince you, just to win you over. All right, take, actually take a breather, take a moment. You can just you can turn to the person next to you if you like, just say hi. Just take a breather. And I'm going to try one more time. Let me drink from my milk jug. I actually quite like that. It's quite cool. Maybe we should keep that. One more time. One more time. Darren, is it okay? By the way, my friends, Pastor Darren and Pastor Lauren, are in the house from Ireland, from Portadown. Is that good? Darren and Lauren from Portadown. No, not good. Uh, They're actually going to be, am I allowed to tell them? No, okay, cool. All right. Ask them afterwards. Just go and chat to them afterwards. I'm not allowed to tell you some news. Okay. One more time. One more time. The nation of Israel got led away by King Ahab to worship other gods, which prevented them from receiving the flow because they went to something else for provision because they didn't believe God was going to provide them. This isn't the first time it happened for Israel, which means for you and I living our life, it's not going to be the first time. It's not going to happen once, and then we overcome it. We we must learn to get into a habit of reminding ourselves of how good God is. That's why church is here, by the way. You come every Sunday to remind yourself of how good God wants to be to you. You pray every day to remind yourself how good God wants to be to you. That's why it must be a habit, a habitual thing, to remind yourself how good God wants to be to you. Are you getting the point? It happened before, though. And the reason it happened before was very interesting to me. In Numbers 17, there's this moment where Moses is leading the people at this point, and Moses is actually doing a great job, really leading the people exactly where God wants them to lead. So even in a good surrounding people, even in a great church, even with a great leader and preacher, okay, don't worry, even, even with that great surrounding, you can still wonder and go to something else for your flow. It is possible. Even in a great church, you might still believe that God doesn't really like you. He likes that person. He likes Sam because he prays crazy and he prays out loud. He like, but not me. No, no, no. Don't rely on your circumstances to tell you how good God wants to be to you. It may be in a different setting, but God still wants to be good. Don't look around and think, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. This hasn't happened for me. Why isn't God loving me? Why isn't God being good to me? No, no. Do not listen to the lie of circumstance. It is a lie. Because sometimes God puts you through things very intentionally to give you goodness. It doesn't feel like it at the start. Trust me, parents understand this point. Am I right, parents? Sometimes you have to put them through some things so they might learn better goodness. Now, you and I are children before God, yes? All of us. Yes, Grandma? We're children before God. 85 years old. She's still a child. Before God. God still wants to teach us things regardless of our age. Can I speak to some people who feel maybe a bit more vintage? That's the word we used at Kareth before. Can I, give you, can I give you some encouragement? If you, I'm not going to tell you who you are. You can decide whether you're in that. I mean, I'm 30 now, so you know, I'm getting, I'm 
Let me speak to you for a second. You are still a child of God. God still wants to teach you things. There are still things you do not know that God wants to show you. Hey, hey, let me say, there are still giftings in you that you don't know about. I'm praying for some grandmas in the house who can prophesy and heal the sick like nobody else. You don't even know it's you yet, but it's going to happen. I'm looking for some granddads who are going to go to Estonia one day and lead a men revival because they need it in Estonia. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people of all ages. I want some kids who go up and pray for people. I want to send kids on a missions trip. I don't know how yet, but we'll figure it out. We'll safeguard it later. Even in your surroundings, you can be in good surroundings, but don't rely on that. Don't rely on somebody else's fire to keep you warm. I haven't even got to my point yet, by the way. This is still... Some of you are thinking, I'm not coming back if he preaches this long. So the nation of Israel, Moses is leading them. It's going really well. They go up to Moses and say, look, Moses, we have got some problems with you. We don't really like you as a leader, is what they say. And they say, look, you, you promised a lot and you have not delivered. And they even say to him some crazy statements. They say some amazing things to him. They say to him, look, Moses, you promised us milk and honey. That's a weird thing. Milk and honey in the Old Testament meant absolute abundant provision. Let me give an example. The abundant provision in the Bible, when they first went into the promised land, if you know the story, when they came back with some of the produce of the land, two guys had to carry one bunch of grapes. That's some big grapes, people. That's like a watermelon. That's how good God wants to be to you. He wants you to have such abundant blessing that you don't even know what to do with it. It's too big. I can't handle all the goodness. That's what God wants to be in your life. So they said to Moses, Moses, you promised us milk and honey. We haven't seen it yet. We've been wandering around the desert for years. Haven't seen it. And you know what they said? They said, we would rather go back to the nation of Egypt where we were slaves for 400 years because there God's milk and honey was provided. Hang on, did you get that? They actually believed God was wanted to be so good to them that his limit of goodness was slavery. Now I'm speaking to some of you. You are living in slavery to sin, to anxiety, to depression, to anger, to financial struggle. You are living in slavery and you think because everyone else seems to be going through that as well. You think this is God's provision for my life. I have come to rebuke that lie and speak it out of your life. And I've come to tell you that God wants to be abundantly good to you. Slavery is not your destination. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So therefore, do not be yoked by slavery ever again, but stand firm in the truth of God. That's what Galatians 5 says. We are meant to be free from it all, to receive goodness from our life. They had a mentality. They thought, thought that Egypt was Eden. That's what they thought. They thought, I'm in heaven now. This is it, but I'm in slavery. 
church, Flow Church, I'll end by saying this. Flow Church will be a place of God's goodness. It will be a place of such goodness that you won't even know what to do with it. I promise you. And you might be thinking, Lim, you're just sounding naive. I promise you, I'm just sounding like a prophet in the Bible. I'm speaking forth the good things in your life. You might be thinking, Liam, but yeah, you're young. You don't really understand. No, trust me. Everyone's been through some stuff. But even in stuff, God provides for me. Even in stuff, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he walks beside me. His rod and his staff are a comfort to me. And where is he leading me? Beside uh, waters, still waters, to refresh my soul. Whenever, wherever you are, in whatever situation you are in, God wants to be good to you in it. I promise you that. But let me tell you, we don't hear, this is not a promised land, though. This is not a promised land. This is, Flow Church is not a promised land because we don't need a promised land anymore. The reason we don't need a promised land anymore is because we have a promised man. We don't need a promised land. we got a promised man. That man, his name is above all names. And in his name, everything holds together. In his name, all good things are found. If you want to know how do I tap into this milk and honey, it's found in one place and one place only. And that is not even a place. It is a person. It is a promised man. It is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Savior of the world. So if you come to this church, we may not be a promised land. We may be some imperfect people trying to do some imperfect work. But I'll tell you one thing. We worship a promised man. If you come here, we lift the name of Jesus high. If you're a newcomer, we still lift the name of Jesus high. I'm sorry if that makes you a bit uncomfortable, but that's what we came to do. If you've been here for years, we will continue to lift Jesus high. If you think it's getting a bit old now, doesn't matter. We will continue to lift Jesus high because Jesus is where all... All our goodness comes from. So I may not be able to fix your life. This church will not be able to fix your life. But I know somebody who can. And I promise you, if you follow the example of Elijah in 1 Kings 17, and you learn to spend some time by yourself with Jesus, the goodness will be unlocked. Elijah spent 18 months in a ravine by himself, three years by himself in total, but Emily's going to talk about the other section next week. 18 months in a valley by himself as an extrovert, as a very high extrovert. That sounds like nightmare to me. But he's sent in there for 18 months. Dare I say, even dare I say is even a little bit of a joke, we all need to go to the Kerith. Come from Kerith Church, by the way. That was the joke. Don't worry about it. No, 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 it's gone now. Don't laugh now. It's gone now. We must learn to be privately devoted to Christ. Not looking at our church, saying, church, you must be good for me. Not looking at anybody else, you must be good for me. Not even looking at me and Emily saying, you must be good for me. No, 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 no. Go to Christ privately, and he will be good for you. Amen. Just close your eyes, let's pray. I want to break every chain of slavery right now. 
I want to see people set free right here, right now. And if at any point as I'm praying, you feel, a, you feel an urge to stand, to receive this or whatever you want to do, feel free to stand. I'm not going to force you, but if you want to, do it. doesn't mean you can't receive it if you don't, but do if you feel like it. I break every chain of slavery in this place right now. I feel particularly to break the chain of poverty over some people's lives. You've spent your life struggling paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. I believe that God wants to break some things in your life and actually come in with his goodness and show you how good he can be. Devote yourself to him. Go in the private time to him. And I promise he will reveal his goodness to you. I pray right now and break the, uh, break the yoke of anxiety and of worry. If that is you and you want to receive it, you can stand up if you like. I break it over your life. I pray that a day will come when you are free from worry, that you are actually free from it, that you wake up and you don't worry about the future. You just go, God is good and he will be good today. I will rejoice and be glad in this day because it is a day that the Lord has made. I rebuke I rebuke insecurity. I tell, if you are insecure, I know it's a struggle. I've been helping my wife with it. We've been going through a journey together. But the first thing she had to overcome was realizing that she will be set free from it one day. There is a journey ahead for you. It's not a one prayer zap. There is a journey ahead, but I rebuke the hold it has over you so that you can learn to live without it. I speak against the lie that's preventing us that says, I'm not that type of person. I'm not the right age. I'm not extrovert. I don't even like to be at the front. That's not what we're talking about. I, re- I speak against any of those lies and I speak into this church, a church that has 80-year-olds prophesying and preaching the gospel. I speak into this church, a church that has teenagers who live holy for Christ, who set themselves apart from their friends. I speak into this church that there will be kids that worship God with everything they have. And God, I ask you, would you let it rain on this church? Would you let goodness fall on this church? Would broken people come in here and find absolute home and goodness? Would people find family here? Would people find joy and laughter? I pray for you right now. I speak this into action. I pray for more laughter in your life. I pray for it. Not so much working, not so much stress or worry, but laughter. You used to laugh as a child. Have you ever watched a child? They laugh and cry all day long. I pray for you that you would laugh in your life. And I pray the goodness of God would flow in this place.